Welcome to Handpicked, and I know your time is valuable. All business people run out of time. It's the one resource we can't get more of. So I'll make sure this is interesting, short, sharp to the point, and I've handpicked answers that will suit you. We'll be helping businesses maybe start, grow, or save. They get to ask me the questions to help their business. And perhaps it'll help your business too. So let's get right into it. In today's episode, we talk to Kerry from Merino Country. Now, she's been in manufacturing for close to three decades, and she wants to know how and where does she transition her business or maybe even exit it. It's a great story. Here's what she has to say. All right, Naomi, I'm from Richmond in Western Queensland originally, from a sheep and cattle station halfway between uh, Townsville and Mount Isa, so fairly remote. And at some point um, in the early 90s in Western Queensland, we were struck with very bad drought, low um, wool prices. So at that point, I think it was about 93, we actually, as a community, ran some workshops called um, Future Search Workshops. Basically out of that, Merino Country Group, we found a heap of amazing wool products that people didn't know about, one of which was a wool T-shirt. And we took them around to wool shows and field days. And, and what we realised is that people just didn't understand the product. I developed my own fabric. And from that, basically starting in the shearers' quarters um, on our shipping cattle place, we've now uh, got a different type of wool shed in Brisbane where we make everything from merino wool undies or wundies as we call them, right through to thermals, travel gear and all sorts of different things, head beanies, neck warmers, and we work with um, defence, police and also direct public. It's a couple of decades, isn't it? Uh, yes, it'll be 28 years this year, so three decades. Pretty amazing. So very exciting, but very much um, as any small business, and I still feel we are a small business, um, very much the roller coaster ride with amazing highs, amazing lows, but it's probably <laughs> this is all worth it in the end. <laughs> That's so true. It, and I guess even just from that story, we realise that it is such a journey and a long journey. Now, what questions have you got for me? All right. Um, one of the biggest issues we're facing right now as a small business and in a, a probably an industry that's been declining for many years is the issue we have with staffing. Um, in our industry, the textile and clothing industry, there hasn't been really any training for probably a good 10 to 15 years and all our really amazing machinists are fairly mature and going out of the industry. So what we're facing right now is a massive skills shortage and this has been in the last couple of months in particular, or probably 12 months with COVID, with this big return to manufacturing in Australia, we just cannot get machinists, we cannot get, we actually, we cannot get a whole range of people. It's so incredible. So what we're looking at right now is how do we, as a small business, address this immediate sort of training costs that we've, we've got? It's basically low productivity and high wages. And until at the moment we've got TAFE and federal and state government trying to do things with training, but it's going to probably be a good maybe two years before we can see that sort of anything that's been implemented by government actually taking effect. So how do we as a small business 
get people engaged working for us with the skills that we need. And you're not alone in the sense of uh, there's many industries that we're seeing particularly skills and talents have moved into other industries uh, and, and it makes it very, very challenging. So we thought we were going to get unemployment. We've got a bit of underemployment, but actually there is a great skills shortage across Australia, uh, which is making it really challenging. The one thing that I do know in working with both my Shark Tank businesses, with working with clients, is that employees will often find other employees. So I think to a business that I worked with, with um, which is in aged care, they were looking for aged care nurses. They were really struggling to find aged care nurses. And they put in place a referral program uh, whereby they, they figured that their current team had worked with others and uh, in other facilities and but but we're kind of robbing Peter to pay Paul so you know they're going from one aged care facility to another and they're um, supporting that it's but increasing the overall pool um, will take time but in the short term it's how can you get them to your enterprise and one of the things that people want is to feel a part of something bigger than themselves they know what they're there to do you create community and culture a sense of accomplishment and pride in their work so perhaps asking the machinists that you have do they know anybody or would they take an apprentice under their wing to do some of the smaller pieces of work that are, that they could teach somebody else the elements of the work? Uh, one of the things that they did when they were bringing these people on board was they sent them off to do something together. They uh, It wasn't just cash. They obviously used experiences, which is why I was involved. But, uh, you know, you don't have to do that. But how can you bring people to know that this is a very special enterprise? You're, you are not just supporting this business, but you are supporting uh, rural Australia and, um, and wool producers across the country. And I think that's a very important message. And people do want to know the leaders and the community that they're working for. So there might be some ideas in there, but it is a long-term uh, view that we are going to have to take to increasing the skills in, in Australia. I can see, you know, we keep getting told that manufacturing is going to be the answer, but it is, yeah, as you say, getting the right people. Also, what we're seeing at the moment is really long lead times for componentry coming in, um, increasing costs, increase in freight. Um, where do you see the growth? from your perspective, the growth in manufacturing coming from in Australia? The growth for manufacturing will come by the uniqueness of what we offer. It's not doing the same thing for cheaper or that that's not what people are looking for from Australian manufacturing. They're looking for some uniqueness, some quality. They're looking for the Australian essence. Now, logistics is a really big problem. Air freight is hugely expensive um, and there is issues with shipping. I do know that some people have started looking for alternatives and markets that they'd never really considered before. So New Zealand has become a great source of all sorts of products and manufacturing elements that uh, for some of the businesses that I'm working with, that's where they're getting components from. And they'd never considered just looking across the ditch. Another uh, manufacturer I know who works in leather products had always been importing their components and their products. And they've now found that Australian product is equally competitive, different, but they can market it as Australian so they can get an uplift. 
But they, that what they didn't realise was their um, foreign markets where they were getting products were every year were putting up their prices just a bit and logistics were going up just a bit uh, to the point where they had stopped price checking with the local man- manufacturers or the, the local suppliers. So this takes time and energy to be able to shift manufacturing, to be able to move uh, components, move logistics. But step by step, it is worth checking at every point all of the elements that go go into production, marketing, delivery of product and finding local sources because you're providing more jobs in Australia. So um, it, I know it's really time-consuming, but it might be one element that you fix this month and another element another month, but bit by bit it gives you more power and control. And I think what many business owners are saying, I've got, I can't control my own business. You know, I'm getting orders and I can't fulfil them and I don't want to upset customers. Um I think it's important to be transparent with customers to say, we are experiencing these problems. Uh, You are the first on the list or you're the seventh on the list, but making sure you communicate with customers so they know where they sit and that it is every intention to get this fixed as soon as possible. Letting your customers into your world and not pretending that everything is okay. Not providing 100% guarantees when actually you are not in control of that 100% guarantee, I think is really important too. We're noticing that with our Wundies, our wool undies, they're one of our best selling products at the moment. And every batch we do, we're making more and more, but we're sitting out and going, oh my God, we've got no black men's classic briefs. And people going, but I will only wear black. And we've got blue, we've got red, but okay, it's going to maybe be four to six weeks. Are you sure? Well, how about navy? So people, it's interesting, people want a particular colour, they will wait. Or, but it is, um, it is exciting too at the moment because, you know, the fact that we keep selling out of some of our, you know, very good baseline products is absolutely fantastic. It means the word's getting out there. People want to support Australian, locally made. And I think when we're doing work with, say, the Victoria Police and Defence, the money that, you know, if we can keep those type of contracts here, that actually supports so many other manufacturing businesses as well because they all have the same issues with you know, sourcing threads, elastic, zips, those type of things which aren't made in Australia, but hopefully we can bring bring that back. Yeah, and maybe that represent, represents an opportunity, but you haven't just told us that the Victorian police are wearing black wandies, have you? <laughs> no, they're wearing navy. <laughs> navy! <laughs> they are wearing, they are, they do, they, actually it's fantastic. They wear um, a merino thermals. It's a long sleeve tee and we've been... Um, supplying their thermals for nearly 20 years now and I think we're just about to sign another contract with them at the moment so we must be doing something something really right it's a it's a beautiful product because uh, you've got one of these <laughs> <laughs> I'm not wearing them now no, no, we, we don't want to see them we don't want to see them um, another thing I guess we've been working really hard and as you mentioned before we've you know it's three decades in the making the business and I guess my husband and I, we run the business and so much of the time we are so in the business. I know we try and step out a little bit, but we're constantly in the business and we get very tired. You know, it's as so many other business owners know, you it is sometimes 24-7. And, I mean, for us the last 12 months in particular, we've gone really hard. Like we had some great opportunities, so we took them up and we, we decided that, yes, we could work seven days a week sometimes 14 hours a day, but 
at this point in time, you know, we're getting a little bit tired and I guess and, and getting a little bit older as well. And at some point, you know, in the back of our minds, we're thinking, do we sell the business? Do we get investors in? Do we, you know, what do, what do we do? And I guess the question here is that, you know, if you are an outsider, and I'm not asking you to invest in our business at all, <laughs> Because I can't see you in the machine, but uh, what I, what I'm sort of alluding to is, as a if we were to sell the business as a going concern, and I think we've got plenty of opportunities at the moment to do that because we have such a a great manufacturing business with so many opportunities, not just in merino products but other products. Um, if you were buying a business like ours or looking at investing in even, what are say three determining factors that you know would push us over the line to say get a a very good price i mean there's not really talking sales figures but what you know to that would encourage someone to actually buy our business or invest in it whether we decided to step back and let someone else in the first question i would ask myself is can this business survive and thrive without Kerry and mal um the two owners and um the founders and i think that that in some ways, you've got to do yourself out of a job, but you don't have to do that overnight. And some transactions or some opportunities for sell your business is people who are also looking to run a business. So they might be in the industry and around. So a trade sale of some sort. And you get them to buy into the business, but to start running it side by side with you. And they have options to purchase the rest of the business Um with certain gateways, certain milestones and certain achievements. So it's a real succession plan and a transition into new ownership. The thing I do know about your business and one of its um, brand, um, you know, the reason why people love your brand is because it is, you feel family, you feel rural Australia, you feel that the good that you're doing. And so that essence is also what your customers are buying into. So in looking at your business, you're going to want to transition it to somebody with the same beliefs. It's not just about the transaction, it's about the contribution you're making uh, throughout the community from your customers to the uh, wool suppliers and um, as well as your team. So a trade sale with somebody who's wanting to buy in succession plan. Another thing um, that, that could work is finding somebody else where if they were to just have an extension. So people who are already talking to similar customers, so whether that be direct customers or whether that be your corporate and your big, big orders, who is also talking to them, you know, I don't know, the uniform people or the whatever, and to see if there is a some level of coming together, merger, um, you only would do that if your values are aligned and if there was a clear understanding of how long you wanted to continue to work for. In the short term, if it's not an exit strategy that you're looking for, I'd absolutely look for who could you bring in as your chief operating officer or your commercial manager so that they had a little piece of the action or they were at least on profit share and perhaps that they could see a future for themselves. I know many a founder who has uh, promoted somebody internally to be in that role and ultimately they know that that person is critical. They have the heritage, they have the knowledge, they've got the history, they've got the contacts. So there's this real secession as well. That will give any completely 
independent investor confidence that there's a session beyond uh, you. Often investors are a bit wary of family businesses because they're like, what if they don't get along? What if something happens or whatever? So having a third person, somebody who's also got skin in the game, could be very powerful in looking for an external, completely just an investment. But still, someone's still got to run the enterprise and give the passion to it. Um, the other thing I'd say is make sure you're paying yourselves properly now that is commensurate with the energy and effort you're putting into the business because if somebody has to replace you, they're going to need to pay that level of salary and they'll probably have to replace you too with four people or five, so uh, given how hard you work. Well, that makes sense because I, I would much prefer to be off fishing. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to take up painting. <laughs> oh, that too, yep, painting. And actually you're right though, it's so important to have things outside, isn't it, in the business and and um, I guess that's what we're sort of both working towards at the moment, to have a little bit more balance. And um, I guess that's, um, I mean, seeing your paintings that you do and seeing how you balance, it's, yeah, it's a great sort of inspiration to, but, yeah, I could paint, <laughs> a bit more painting. It'd be great fun. But, um, no, it's been um, it's been an amazing ride and I've, you know, often really appreciated, you know, I listen to, a lot of your podcasts and I've read your books. I bet you didn't know that. <laughs> but <laughs> it's very inspiring and um, having a few sharks around also helps a bit and their um, information, it's always good to go back and have a look and see what they're saying and listen to them. Yeah, family and business <laughs> is always a good idea as long as they don't stick their nose in. That's right, that's right. We do have a little saying, Mal and I, especially when we're looking at um, we get people asking you know, could they come and work for us? We actually, just speaking of family, we have a no family, no friends policy. We have just find that that, um, you know, after years of experience, it just doesn't work. It can work for some people, but we just, Mel and I, we keep saying no friends, no family. And we've had a few people, we've had some job ads out lately applying and we just say, oh, that'd be great. But, you know, too close, too close. Yeah. yeah. It's hard. Mm. It is hard because, you know, you can trust them but also, you know, you might not be able to challenge them to be the person they need to be in the office or if something goes wrong. I get it. Yep. Exactly. But, so you agree. but you listen. You listen all the time <laughs> to, to yeah. close family. It's always good. So, yeah. Um, yeah, so thank you very much for, for your advice. Very good. Uh, it's so my pleasure. And thank you for asking questions and coming on handpicked. It's delightful. I'm really glad that our listeners got to understand what a 28-year journey looks like <laughs> and you're still pushing as hard as you ever have. Um, it's wonderful to be in Australian manufacturing. We're very proud of your business and what you contribute to our community. Uh, and keep going, keep growing. Uh, and But do do have that, you know, this this is what we're aiming for. Uh, write it up, put it on yeah. the fridge and make sure you keep going. So thanks so much for coming on the show, Kerry. Thanks, Naomi. Bye now. So thanks for listening to Handpicked. You know, it is all about business. Maybe you've got a question for me. Do follow me on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or any of your favourite podcast networks. Also follow me on Instagram at Naomi Simpson, one word, or Twitter, Naomi Simpson, one word. Look forward to hearing from you there.